One little caveat uh, that you don't have a scripture for back there, but um, Proverbs 24 uh, says something really important. Proverbs 24, um, 24, let me read that. Chapter 24, verse 3 and 4. Through wisdom a house is built. And by understanding, it's established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Amen? Amen. That's going to be what I'm going to talk about in a minute. Um, <clears throat> I just want to give you a little caveat about me. Uh, I'm, I, uh, when I was 70 years old, I, I went ahead and got a doctorate in theology. I know all about uh, theology. Uh, I don't know all, but I know some. And uh, my calling, though, is, uh, you know, Neil is great to come out here and preach on soteriology, which means the mechanics of how we're saved. And all that I can do that, but my heart is to pre- is to preach something, share something that will produce understanding. Uh, Proverbs sixteen says that understanding is the wellspring of life. Jesus, as he was being nailed, he said, "Forgive them, Father; they don't understand." The history of the Old Testament among other things, is that men did not understand what they were doing. Esau didn't understand what he was doing when he gave up his birthright. The Bible says that he tried to get it back with tears. But in the Old Testament, it was too late. Thank God for us in the New Testament... It's never too late to repent. Amen? Amen. But I've tried to share things for understanding, and I let some of the other guys that are teachers uh, preach the stuff that you need to hear doctrinally. So I want, what, I, what I desire more than anything, that you'd get some understanding uh, out of what I share. Um, Callings is something so important to me, and I'd like to to say this to you that uh, I want to remind you this morning that the church of Jesus Christ is supernatural. We forget that a lot of times. We we tend to a lot of people think think of it as some kind of club that you can join, and if you don't like it, you can. Unjoin and go join another <laughs> club. Now that that's uh, that's you know we we always default to the flesh if we're not careful. When we're born again, our eyes are opened. Before before we're born again, we ap- we apprehend everything in the world around us with natural eyes, natural hearing, nat- all our natural senses. But when we're born again, our spirit comes alive. Would you agree with that? And and we our spiritual eyes are open. 
we have spiritual senses, and and I don't want to take a lot of time here, but Paul prayed that to the Ephesians that their spiritual eyes would be open, that their spiritual ears would be open. Do you know that that the Bible says in, in John chapter 10 that my sheep hear my voice? That tells me that I'm automatically, when I'm born again, equipped with spiritual ears to hear his voice. My people hear my voice. There's no if in there. A lot of us don't practice hearing God. A lot of us don't realize we can hear God, I think, in the sense that we're not, we don't, we're not aware of it. But we can hear God. If you're a born-again person, one of his sheep, you have a built-in radio. All you need to do is turn it on. And if I had a guitar and could sing Western twang, I'd sing, Turn your radio on. You know, remember that song? That's a good one. Uh, turn your radio on because you can hear God. It, and, and, and you practice that. And you have to believe it. And he speaks to you sometime in whispers. Little, little whispers. But um, the church... It's supernatural. If you don't believe that, read the book of Ephesians through because it's all about the church. And, and, and God sees the church with eternal eyes. And he sees, according to the scriptures, the beginning from the end. So he saw us before the foundation. You were, it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 or 4, you were in his heart spiritually. He, he gave... You, he, and Christ was slain before the foundation, according to uh, general uh, uh, revelation, right? Every, and God sees that, and you were in Christ, not only before the foundation, but if you were called. And I'm leading into something here. Um, he sees you. Seated in heavenly places. You don't feel like that, maybe. You don't, maybe you don't even believe that or understand it, but if you're born again, Christ, God sees you as righteous as you'll ever be. 2 Corinthians 5 says, we are the righteousness of God. John, you can stand before your mirror in the bathroom and look yourself right in the eye and you can say, God loves me. He pleased with me. I am the righteousness of Christ. Or the righteousness of God in, through Christ, in Christ. And that's true whether you feel like it or not because the Bible says you are. If you're born again. If you're a believer. Amen? It's finished. It's finished. He loves you. The war is over. You have peace with God. Romans chapter 5. When the angels came and proclaimed the birth of the Lord, they said, Peace to men of goodwill. Peace came with Christ. The war is over. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says in the last, it says, 
there's a time for war and a time for peace. Now we can look at that in secular terms and and say, well, we know when the Christ comes there'll be no more war. But I look at it this way: there, I, I was an enemy of Christ, an enemy, and and He loved me enough to save me because He knew me from before the foundation, and He called me. He called me out of Egypt, out of darkness, into light. That's one of the callings. And all of you who are born again have answered that call because at one point in your life there was a whisper and either you were painted into a corner like I was or something happened in your life and and, and there was a call, and maybe you didn't realize it at the time, but something inside you made you turn to Christ. We call that, uh, in theology, we call that regeneration. Amen. Regeneration of the Holy Ghost. But you were brought to Christ, and you had nothing to do with it. Yeah, you made, you can look at it from one point of view, you say, well, I made a decision to be born again. Well, actually, let's don't go there. You didn't. <laughs> you were brought to Christ by the Holy Ghost. Amen. And, and God gave you the ability to answer the call because he loved you from before the foundation. Amen. And his church... Is supernatural. Now I'm finally back around to where I started. <laughs> His church is supernatural, and uh, it is purchased by the blood of the Savior. He bought it with His blood. Therefore, the callings and the placement of those in leadership and in the church is not a light thing but a solemn, happy, supernatural thing. God is verbal. He speaks. Amen? And we're going to look at Psalm 50, verse 4 in a minute, later, not now. Uh, he's called to, it says he's called to the earth that he wants to speak to his people. We'll look at that later. But God's always calling. He's always on, by the way. Your radio needs to be turned on to hear him, but he's always on. He's always speaking to his people. It's no accident that this and Jesus himself is called the Word. He's a verbal God, and and he communicates to us by words. And if you want to, I'm not going to share that. That's a rabbit trail, but... Uh, that's why the Tower of Babel happened. People were wanting to reach the heaven and be God and reach in their own strength. And he shut them off and confused their languages. And that has an application to Pentecost, by the way, where he reestablished us in one language. Amen. They all heard. That's another thing. But... Um, there's a scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18, that's real important. It says, But now God has set the members, 
each of them in the body just as he pleased. You're not here by accident. I don't know if all of you are. I mean, some of you might not realize that. But if you came to this church and you were called here and you came here and you made the statement, I believe God has put me in this church or I believe this is my church, uh, is there a subtle thing going on in your heart? And, and, and the Bible says that God has placed and set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. So you're not here by accident. You haven't joined a club that you can quit lightly and go join another club. I'm serious. You've been placed here supernaturally by God. If you believe the church is supernatural, you're not here by accident. Amen? Anybody want to say amen? Amen. (laughs) Okay. Callings are supernatural. God calls John to be, and I asked John yesterday, and we were talking, I said, John, I need to know something. And I've known John for 40, maybe 40 years. I don't know, something like that. And uh, I don't know if I ever asked you before, but I said, John, are you really called by God to be the pastor of this church? And he said, yes. Okay. Now, that's a, that's a super, I didn't call him. Nelson didn't call him. He wasn't called by any seminary. And I, I mean, God called him. You probably didn't know that at some point in your life, but there's a point in life where God will, if you wake up and if you hear his voice, you can hear his calls. Paul, in Galatians 1.15, Paul said, I was called. See, he knew these scriptures I'm talking about. He said, I was called before the foundation. He, he said, I, I, I was called from my mother's womb. But Paul didn't understand his calling until the road to Damascus. So you don't always realize your calling sometime until late in life. I was a lawyer, an alcoholic, Alabama lawyer. And, and I was pretty, pretty bad guy, to be honest with you. And I painted myself in the corner. God helped me paint myself in the corner as I look back on it now. And, uh, at the age of 42, I got saved. And I realized, I realized now that suddenly I had a calling. I'd been through several jobs. I'd practiced law. Never was happy. Never was happy. Never fulfilled. And when I got born again, suddenly I realized just something came over me, and I realized, hey, this is what I'm sorry. This, this is what I'm called to do, and I've been so happy ever since. Even though I've been spit on, betrayed. Uh, I was talking to Tommy last night. I said, uh, 
we were talking about pastoring. He pastored. I said, let me show you my sheep bites. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, being a pastor is not fun. It's, it's lovely. It's fulfilling, but sometimes it's not fun. People hurt you. They disappoint you. Because I believe basically because they don't understand what I'm talking about. That the church is supernatural. And the church, every one of you is called into something. Callings are supernatural. Second Timothy one nine. I want to get this scripture to you, and I, 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 it's going to be up. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. If you look, and, and, and I'll give you another scripture later, but callings and the gifts are without repentance. Callings and gifts were, came with the grace of God from before the foundation. That says it before the world began. Callings were there. Now, I've identified 24 callings in the New Testament. Callings are a product of the New Testament. There is one in the Old Testament that I could find, and that was where uh, Samuel, the third trip into old Eli when he, he heard the calling, Eli says, go back, it's obvious that the Lord is calling you. Nowhere else is, is, the, is, that, is the God called. Now, a lot of words call in the Old Testament. He was called this. He was called that. He, but that's the only calling. I'm, and there is a, a faint hint of a calling when Isaiah, when Isaiah is called. And I won't go into that. But these are all in the New Testament. And I'm going to go through them pretty quickly. But most of these are, are callings that every one of us should be in. There are 24 of, of these callings that apply to every one of us. And then there are, there are another five callings and possibly six that are special. Like to apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And they're appointed directly by Christ. And I'll use the word calling there because Paul said he was called to be an apostle. Absolutely. So, to go through these very quickly, um, we need to dig out our inner wax and hear these as it applies to us. And these all, if you look at them carefully, they all point to unity. God's calling is always to unity in the church. Okay, the first one is Matthew 2, 15, we're called out of Egypt. Everyone here who's born again has already heard that call. 1 Peter 2, 9, we're called from darkness into light. You can... Uh, I, I've got a list of these in the front of my Bible because I love them. And I can give John my notes, and anybody really interested in, all, in searching these out, I can supply the uh, these scriptures for you. 
Uh, I'm not going to uh, just go through them quickly. Romans 8.30, we're called to be justified. If you have Bibles, maybe you can follow me here. If you're born again, you've answered that call. Romans 9.24, we're called to make known the riches and glory of Christ. Now that, I'm called to make known his riches and glory. How do I do that? Simple. I obey him. He gave us a new commandment. Love one another. That's a commandment. If you do that, you've you've really answered all the rest of the callings. (laughs) Because that's the second commandment. And he says, Christ said the second commandment, inside of it contained all the law and the prophets. Right? So how, if I'm loving one another, if I love... If I love you, how can I commit adultery with your wife? I mean, I'm just, you know, that's impossible, but you understand what I'm saying? How can I backbite behind a, the, the, a brother? How can I gossip about someone if, if I'm obeying the command to love one another? I mean, I won't, you can understand what I'm saying. I won't go any further with that. Called to make riches, known the riches. First Corinthians seven fifteen, called to peace. I'm called to be peaceful with my brethren. I grieve to say I've never I've always never always done that in my Christian life, but I understand it now. And it's never too late <laughs> to obey Christ. Amen. Galatians 1 6, we're called to grace. Now, it's kind of a nebulous thought, but if I'm called to grace, I need to start believing in grace and act like it. I know brethren that preach grace all the time, and when the chips are down, they don't believe Christ. They take matters in their own hands. And, and, you know, do we trust him or not? First Corinthians 2.12, call to his kingdom and glory. First Thessalonians 4.7, called not to uncleanness, but to holiness. That's a calling. We're not allowed to play games with uncleanness. Wow. I mean, I, I I used to watch a lot of stuff on television. I don't want to watch it anymore. And I'm not trying to be legalistic here, but I don't want my mind filled with some things. Called for His purpose. 2 Timothy 1.9, also Romans 8. I'm called to His purpose. Not my purpose, His purpose. That can, uh, it, it, let's go back to the fact that you're called, or you're placed in this church. You're called to His purpose. What, what does that mean to you in connection with your ministry in the church? 
what, what is his purpose other than to sit on your bottom and hear a good message? What is his purpose for you? And we'll look at another scripture in a minute that says we all have gifts. And we're to minister them to each other. You're not called to be a spectator in this church. You're awfully quiet. I hope I'm getting to you. You're not called to sit and be a spectator in this church if you're born again and God's placed you here. You're called for His purpose and you need to hear God. What is my purpose in this church? And it may be just to pray for people. I'm not saying you're supposed to get out and dig a ditch or move those one and a half, two cords of wood out there so that the the lady that takes care of the yard will be happy. (laughs) I know something. (laughs) Okay, uh, where was I? Okay, call to eternal glory. That's 1 Peter 5.10. Call to glory and virtue. 2 Peter 1.3. 1 First Corinthians 1, 2, call to be saints. You already you answered that call. Uh, by the way, Acts 2.39 says we're called to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It says there as many as are called are supposed to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm interpreting it. I noticed Brother Tommy got his Bible open real quick on that one. I'm interpreting it. But as many as are called are supposed to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Are you called? Anybody here not called? You're supposed to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. To my, to my interpretation of that. It's available to you. I don't know whether, you know, I, I wouldn't go without it. Personally, because it gives us the strength to be a witness for Christ. And my goodness, what else is how, how are you going to glorify him if you're not a witness? I'm not saying you can't be a witness without it, but it gives you extra strength to be a witness. That's his purpose. You get to speak in tongues, but that's not the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Call to the fellowship of the Son. 1 Corinthians one nine. Into fellowship. Book of Philippians is measures on the word koinonia, which is fellowship. Chapter 1, we fellowship in the Spirit. Chapter 4, we fellowship or partake in the ministry of the apostolic. Chapter 3 is not all that happy with fellowship in the sufferings of Christ. But we need to know these things because we're called to fellowship in the Son. I'm, I'm just touching things. I'm hoping I'm provoking you to look me up, look, at the, look it up and prove me on this. That's the only way you're going to get nailed into your understanding. Call to liberty, Galatians 5.13. Not liberty to do whatever you want, but liberty 
to obey the Holy Spirit. I, can, I have liberty now to follow Christ, which I didn't have before I was born again. I choose to follow Christ. I don't do it perfectly. I'm not saying that, but that's my choice. Ephesians 4.1, called to a vocation of forbearing one another, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. When you were born again, you were plunged into the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12, by the Holy Spirit. And you were given unity, one with another, unity of the Spirit. Otherwise, it would be ridiculous for him to say, endeavor to keep it. It's only, you can only endeavor to keep what you already have, right? And so, I'm told that I'm to work. That word endeavor in the Greek means work, slave, toil, at keeping unity. hard to do because the flesh don't want to do that. The flesh wants to look at each one another and say, hey, I, know. I can see what's wrong with him. I have that gift too, by the way. That gift of discerning. Uh, I can see what's wrong with you. I, I, I mean, I can be around you for a week or two and I can see everything wrong with you. Especially if my wife sees everything wrong with me. And I beg her not to tell people. <laughs> but we're, we're, we're called to that. Now that's, that's a, I mean, that calling is supernatural. It's not, it's not a hope you can do this. It's a calling from the Lord. And, and, and if we're gonna, if we're gonna follow the second commandment to love one another, I've got to, Make it a point as much as it within me possible in my spirit to keep unity. And there's times when you can't. But I won't go into that. Uh, um, but we're to forbear one another. That word forbear means I put up with a lot of crap, if you want to know what it means. Did I offend anybody by using that word? I'm sorry. Uh, we're called into one body, Colossians 3.15. That's kingdom stuff there. And, uh, and the kingdom, we talk about the kingdom, but is division in churches. How can we export unity if we don't have unity? It starts with me personally. David, King David prayed, I think Psalm 63, uh, uh, Lord created me. Uh, let's see. Uh, give, give, uh, give me an undivided heart. I'm paraphrasing that. I, I don't want my heart to be divided. If, uh, if my heart's divided, I'm out of unity. So, how, so uh, it, every one of us is called to that unity beginning in our heart, not to be double-minded. And then I can talk to you about being in unity. Anybody want to quit and go home before I finish?
called into eternal life, called into one body. Oh, First Peter two twelve. I love this one. Called to suffering. Second Peter one eleven. Called to life of faith and power. Second Thessalonians two fourteen. Called to believe the truth. I love this one. Revelation nineteen nine. We're called to the marriage feast of the Lamb. Everybody likes that one. That's a calling. And if you're born again, you're going to be there. Even if you mess up. Because Christ loves you. And your sins have already been forgiven. I think that that could be disputed by some, but it's true. And Hebrews 9.15 calls to receive the promise of the eternal life and inheritance. Now, with all these callings, which are without repentance, comes gifts to enable us to succeed in these callings. And uh, I'd like to take a minute to see how this works. First Peter 4.7 and following, this is this is so key because we're we're near the end. Would you agree to that? The signs are there, and I'm not prophesying the end. I I don't know when they'll come, but it, it's nearer than when we first believed. Amen. Yeah. And we uh, we can look at the background in the world of what's going on and. It's never been quite like this before. Universal darkness, people rising up. We can see it in our own nation. The lack of truth, uh, the lack of loyalty, all kinds of sin. Sixty million babies aborted since the Roe v. Wade. Uh, a lack of truth, deception coming down because people don't believe the truth. I mean, these are dark, perilous times. Uh, and Peter says here in First Peter four seven, but the end of all things is at hand. And it it began with Christ's assumption, ascension rather, and. Uh, but the end of all things, therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. We need to pray more, saints. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. That's the motto of this church. So this is nothing new. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Hospitality is a thing in the heart. It's an attitude. It's it's wonderful to have cookies and and coffee and all that. That's part of hospitality. But hospitality is is defined by one saint as inviting the enemy into your home and making a friend out of him. It's an interesting definition. It's what Christ did. Uh, hospitality is more than coffee and tea. 
be hospitable to one another without grumbling, as each one has received a gift. And by the way, everyone here has some sort of gift. It might just be to pray. It might be just to be humble. That's a gift. <laughs> um, she was. I hate these glasses. If any uh, is, let's see, without grumbling, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Amen. That's going back to what I said about each one of you has a calling to do this. To make God's glory, that's a calling. And if anyone speaks, let him speak with the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified. That's a calling to glorify God. Do you remember that? Through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Um, Psalm 50, verse 4. I want to read that very quickly to you because it's... uh, See, I got it here somewhere. Psalm 50, verse 4. I know it's in the Bible. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. He's calling to the earth, it says, that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together to me who have made a covenant by sacrifice. If you believe in Christ, you have joined in the covenant made by sacrifice. Amen. Now, that he may, he's called me to the earth that he may judge his people. That's a, that's a major calling, not for us, but it, 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 it implies all the other covenant, all the other callings. And I'll tell you why. Here's where we need to be really careful of the word judge. Most people in the church think judgment is a harsh thing that that it's kind of a penalty or a punishment for something. That's nice old covenant thinking. Because Christ loves us. And he's happy with us. There's all kinds of scriptures that. Well, this word judge here has a special meaning. And you need to be careful with the word judge because it has a special meaning other than that, in several places, this this particular word "judge" it comes from the Hebrew word "adon," and it means to rule or to to uh, control. It has the idea of ruling and controlling. So when it says here, he's calling to the earth to judge his people, he's calling all these callings in order to control or rule his people. You follow me there? This is not to judge the people like, are you going to hell or not? This is his, it's, he's calling to the earth, but he's calling as a controller, as a, 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 a judge, trying to make us hear 
in order to control our lives in a positive way. And that's what all these callings are about. Amen? And so, in verse 17 of 1 Peter 4, it says, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God, and it begins with us first. What will the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, there again, the word judgment is a totally different word in the Greek than it was in other places in the Bible. That judge meant there, judgment must become first at the house of, begin at the house of God. That, that word judgment in the Greek means choosing. It means not that he's judging, but that we're to judge. Our judgment begins in the house. We're to judge and choose whether we're going to follow God or not. That's really important because he's speaking to the house now. He's speaking to us. And that's why I brought up this thing about callings. It's, he's speaking to us all of these things. He's given us gifts and he's given us all these urgings through the callings to be, to hear these callings to forbear one another, to choose so that we can begin to bring glory to Him and that we can avoid what's coming to the rest of the world. Amen? They're not choosing to follow God at all, the unbelievers. They're still under the law. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to have the wrath of God poured out on them. And our job is to bring them into the house. That's the Great Commission. The Great Commission is, you know, he says, come out of her. Come out of Mystery Babylon. Come out of her, my people. There are people out there who don't know anything about what we're talking about. But some of them are destined to be part of us. We gotta find them. We can't just sit here and enjoy one another. Although there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we're supposed to enjoy one another. We're supposed to love one another. We're supposed to be happy to come to gather together on Sundays and Wednesday nights or whatever and love one another and, and encourage one another and hear a good word and we're supposed to do that, but there are those out there that need us. And we don't know who they are. But he does. So we need to go out and get them. How are you going to do that? <laughs> you got them in your own neighborhood. Some of you got them in your own family. And you need to show them love and acceptance and relationship, make good relationship with them and look for opportunities to say something. And your behavior is more important than what you say. In our own family, I've seen every one of our family come to the Lord. I mean, our older people, our James brothers and sisters, my sister who's gone to be with the Lord now. And and they watched us. When we got born again, they watched us. And they saw Christ change in us. We weren't perfect. 
But they saw something. And that made us able to speak to them with authority and not just stand on a street corner and say, Are you saved? You know, they saw a change in us which made them. So that's the way we win people. You can stand on a street corner and hand out tracts and maybe one out of a thousand will get saved. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. But mainly, we bring people to the Lord by the way we act and live, right? And that's the callings again. Those callings are all designed not only to bring unity in the church, but to... Uh, God. Oh, okay, I have time. <laughs> so, think about that. One last point. Um, there are some special callings by Christ, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And these are to bring unity in the body. That's, the, that's their whole purpose. They're to equip the saints. And you need to know what that means in the Greek. Because that's misunderstood. It's not just to teach them how to prophesy. That may be part of it. But the word equipping there is a noun. It's the only time it's used in the New, in the New Testament. There's a verb to equip. But the noun means the fitting out of a ship for a long voyage. It means setting a bone. It can go back to several things. Setting bones, uh, healing. And it's the purpose, if you look at it though, Ephesians chapter 4 starts with endeavor to keep the spirit of the unit, unity of the spirit, and it ends with the unity of the faith. And so that to me, the whole thing is about unity. Christ's principle is unity. It starts in the, in the Trinity. Perfect unity. Love one another. That's unity. Amen? And so, I, was not, I won't take more time to go into all that, but we need to respect those whom God has set in leadership. Deacons, if we've, you know, if, if we've done our job and listened to the Holy Spirit and identified these callings and made sure they're God, there's many out there claim to be apostles and prophets who aren't. And we need to, we need to have discerning in leadership and in the saints to identify who's real and who isn't, but assuming that these five ministries are real in your life, and that's what Master Builders strives for, is reality in, the, in identifying callings. Because they're so important, because these ministries are supposed to equip the people in the sense of showing them unity, living in unity, and yes, equipping in other ways too, but... If the blind lead the blind, guess what? Right. So the leadership calling is so important to the health and destiny of the church. To me, a real prophet, a fivefold prophet, yes, he can do the word of knowledge. Yes, he can read your mail. 
but his his duty from Christ to me is to equip the church to see prophetically. Because without a prophetic vision, Proverbs says the people spread. I'm paraphrasing. A prophetic vision is so important because it tells you where you're going to go. It tells you what God's thinking right now. What's he saying to the church? So important. So honor your your leaders. All kinds of things come to me right now. I'm thinking of Nehemiah. There's a fifth gate, I believe, when the, when the city walls are being restored. There's one called the Gate of Mithcad. There's the fish gate and the sheep gate. And at, at the end of, uh, in verse 13, I believe, there's the gate of the prison gate. Christ is going to set all the prisoners of hope free when he comes again. Amen. There's the gate of Ephraim at the end. That's the gate of double portion. But the gate Mithcad should happen in the in the construction of a church. The gate of Mithcad has a military meaning. It has a in the Hebrew it has a military meaning, and it has to do with respect for order. One one apostle I knew. Robert Ewing, I don't know if you ever knew him, but uh, he interpreted that as respect for a leadership. And that's in the military. That's a must. Amen. So it's so important that we know our leaders and know that they're real and that their hearts are for the church. And being human, they're going to make mistakes. But if they're called by God, we've got to give them, we've got to give them space. We got to honor them, and I don't mean slavishly hear everything they say. But there's a certain honor that comes, and and they should be surrounded with other leaders who are they're able to you know, be a team with to lead the church. But fivefold ministry is important in these days, and it is being restored. But not everybody's hearing it. Not everybody's hearing it. I guess I'm through, and you're probably glad, but I'm telling you, these. I hope you'll be like those uh, people in the New Testament in the book of Acts that followed up on everything and searched it out, uh, because I think what I've said is important. And if you don't get anything else... And don't remember anything else when you go home. Remember that the church is supernatural and, and the callings are supernatural and we don't dare mess with them. Amen? God bless you and uh, I hope you'll have me back again. <laughs> wow. Thanks, Pete. As always, uh, don't forget to love one another. That if you.